seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. This program will give you the answers to all your questions from the beginning of time until Judgment Day. The hourglass is almost empty. So come and hear the dynamic teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Noble Duali, Marcus Sargent, Clarence Lipsky, all those waters sent to raise you. North, but now found chief in the wilderness of North America. <laughs> Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Alhamdulillahi Wali Al-Kareem Wa sallallahu ala anbiya Ajma'in Wal Masih Wal Mahdi Wal Mujadda Laman Mursaleen Amabad Are we not the bearers of witness That nothing would exist If Allah didn't create it And that he is alone And has no part And that all gratitude is for Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous, eternal friend, and send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles, and on the Messiah, the anointed one, and on the Mahdi, the guide, and on the Mujahid, the reformed, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. And now, the true light featuring Sayyid Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, I ran across a book uh, last week called The Lost Book of the Bible and the Forgotten Book of Eden. And um, I ran across something that was uh, disturbing to me. Um, I can't read this in Roman numerals, but it's a chapter about Adam and Eve. It's one of the books that wasn't in the Bible. And um, I ran across something of a prophecy of the coming of Christ. <clears throat> and this is Adam. This is God supposedly speaking to Adam. I can read this. Again said God unto Adam, All this misery that hath been made to take upon thee because of thy transgression will not set free from the hand of Satan and will not save thee, but I will. When I shall come down from heaven and shall become flesh of thy seed and take upon me the infamy from which thou sufferest, then the darkness that came upon thee in the cave shall come upon me in the grave when I'm in the flesh of the seed, and I shall, when I'm without years, shall be subject to the reckoning of years, of times, of months, and of days, and I shall be reckoned, reckoned as one of the sons of man in order to save thee. Um, what he is saying to me is that, um, that Allah personified into a man and came down. Right. No problem. You know why? Because I'm looking at a man right now. You mm-hmm. and Allah is a soul inside your body. You understand that? Allah is in every man. That's why Jesus made a statement. Did I not say ye are God? When they tried to pinpoint him as just a God, 
They asked him, what's the highest of all the commandments? He said, well, the highest of all the commandments is that the Lord thy God is one God, and you should worship him alone. That was his statement. But when he referred to anybody else in St. John's, he said, I came unto my own people, but my own people received me not. But as many of them that do receive me, I give them the power to be what? Sons of God. When the, when the Pharisees and them questioned him about his godship, he turned and said, Is it not written in your law, I said ye are God? So he was not saying that he was the only God personified. He was saying all man who lives righteous has the spirit of the Most High in them or the soul moving them, making them holy. That's why Jesus kept saying, you've got to be born again. You have messed up since your first birth. You've got to be born again and get the Holy Spirit moving inside you again. And that Holy Spirit comes down from where? What did Jesus say? It comes down from heaven. But when John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus in the morning, it said the skies opened up an image or like a dove, descended down from heaven upon Jesus. And then they heard a voice from heaven saying what? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. You see? So it was the spirit that he sent down because the voice was still in the heavens. That's what the Christians keep missing when they read that section. When it speaks about the skies opening the dove descending, the voice came from the heavens. So if Jesus was on earth and the dove was descending or the likeness of a dove was descending, the voice who was the voice of whom? Well, Jesus made it very clear in Matthew. He said, our father who art where? In heaven. And Jesus made it very clear to them in their doctrine of crucifixion, because if he was on the cross, he said, Father, it is over. Unto your hand I send my spirit. Now, if he was the Father, shouldn't he say, well, it is over. Now I will return to heaven. He didn't say that. He's speaking from the first person singular to the second. Father, it is over. Unto your hand I send my spirit. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, so there's nothing wrong with that. That book is merely saying that when you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. When I see you, I see the Father. If you are walking in the Father's footsteps, and if you are obeying the words of the Father, and if you are living by the commandments of the Father, when I see you, I see the Father. The Prophet Muhammad made the same statement. He said, follow my sunnah. Follow my way, because I am the best of examples for this day and time. I am the seal of the prophets. Obey me, and you're obeying Allah. Love me, and you're loving Allah, which is the same as Jesus. I and the Father are one. When you see me, you see the Father. They said, ho, oh, you're saying that you are the Father? He said, is it not written in your law, I said, ye are God? They said, then stone him. Anyway. So when you realize who you are and you make the declaration, all of us are the children of the Most High and His Spirit is in us, then people say about Imam Isa. He says he is Allah. I never said I am Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I am one of His sons, one of His children, and His Spirit moves in me because He said He did. He used the word nafakha, to breathe. He said he breathed, he blew his spirit into me, and I became a living soul. He said that. Now, you're going to go against that. I, that's on you. The way I see it, and the way I know you see it, is that all the divine that moves through me, my intuition, my psychic powers, and we all have these sensitivities, because sometimes you get ready to pick up a phone, and someone is there. And you get ready to call John, you get ready to dial his number, you pick up the phone, and John then dialed you at the same time. Or you walk in and say, you know what? 
I haven't seen my friend Ahmed in about a month. Turn the corner and, corner and bump right into Ahmed. That is divine moving in you. Because it ain't no coincidence if it happened more than twice. Coincidence means two incidents. Coincidence. If it happened to you more than twice in your life, then it ain't no coincidence. The divine is moving inside you. And if you channel that divine, nothing can stop you. That's what Jesus is trying to say. If you channel the divine in you and let it grow in you and become born again and let the Holy Spirit move you and live by the will of the Most High, nothing and nobody can stop you. That's what I'm trying to teach. And of course the white man and the devil and his helpers hate that because I'll have black men walking around saying, you know what we are? We are supreme beings. We didn't say we are love. We are the supreme beings. As I said a couple of weeks ago downstairs when I was in the class, I said that they go to Egypt and they look at statues all up and down the Nile, don't they? And what do they call them? Gods. They say these are Egyptian gods. That's Ramses. That's one of your descendants they're talking about. That's Abimelech, one of your descendants. So when the white man is on one of his little excursions to Cairo, fly Cairo for $354, and go from the hotel, and he rides on over to the pyramids, and he sees the Sphinx. Then he goes down into Luxor, and he sees all these massive statues of black men with big lips and nappy hair. And says, these are the Egyptian gods, right? Then he comes back to America, borders in Kennedy Airport, and sees this guy grabbing his luggage and says, look at that nasty nigger. Mm. That nasty nigger, Whitey is the same God you was admiring when you was in Egypt. <laughs> you just misplaced him. You just took his soul from him. You, moved, you removed his purpose, and you injected drugs and alcohol and bad thoughts and anger and envy and jealous. You removed his dignity. You removed his manhood. How can he stand up and be supreme when you have made him a bum? But I'm going to tell you something, white man. If you stop and listen to a derelict, you hear divine. <laughs> You're right about that. If you go right up to the Port Authority and talk to a, a derelict who's mumbling, listen to what that man is mumbling. He's usually saying, they did this to me. I don't know why they picked on me. I trusted in them. I believe, didn't you trust him? You trust the white man so much that you worked six days and waited to get paid on the seventh. And they would start working another six days and waiting to get paid on the seven. You never once said, pay me each day I work. Or pay me before I do the work. No, you did a whole six days. And then he gave you a piece of paper and sent you to a friend of his who put a stamp and made you sign your signature. He gave you some more paper and told you it was worth its weight in gold. Oh, you could identify with gold. Why can you identify with gold? Because you come from Mother Africa, Africa where gold is born. And I, I want to add another chapter to this, which I've said many times. If the Heavenly Father, are y'all with me? If the Heavenly Father didn't love black people so much, why did he put all of the richest minerals under our feet in Africa and none in Europe? Why is gold and diamonds and onyx and ivory, they got to go to Africa to shoot our elephant brothers, because that's all they are to us, because that's how we live with them, until Tarzan came. <laughs> that white man, huh? He running around Africa, yeah, right. Catch malaria and die the first week. 
But anyway, in Africa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed gold. If you don't believe me, ask the South Africa. That's why they have apartheid, really. Now, why did Allah chose you to give the gold? He could have put it in Europe. He didn't put it in the Vatican. The Pope ain't got no gold growing under him. He don't think much of Christianity, you know. Us Christians, they never had no wealth. They ain't even had good weather. Nowhere they ever resided was there ever a comfortable environment for Christians. Nowhere. Not even in Utah. But the Almighty, now listen again, he loved you so much, he put the criteria for wealth in the whole world under your feet in Africa. Gold. And you gave it up to be American Negroes. You willfully gave up the gold to serve the white man. Because the slave master came over there and made offers for you that he's going to give you more money for your labors than you can earn in your own land. <laughs> How can you earn more money than all the gold in the world? Ain't that what he told us? And then we climb on the good ship, Jesus. That's right. And, <laughs> and end up in America. And has he ever given you your gold? No. What has he given you in turn? He gave you drugs. He gave you pork. He gave you poverty. He gave you diseases. He gave you the wrong image of yourself, the wrong likeness of yourself. He even changed the name from, from Allah to God. He took away God. He took away language. He took away land. He took away your name. And now he's even taken away your manhood and changed you into Michael Jackson. He hasn't stopped taking. And you know the worst part about it, y'all? You know the worst part? We haven't stopped giving. There's still black people saying, all white people ain't bad, are they? I mean, I know some white people. They, they, I mean, this white guy in school, you know, he, uh, well, you know, when I take this carpool, wait, wait, I was, you know, I was in the hospital very sick and this white, wait, uh, all white people are not bad, are they? I said, no, no, all lions are not bad either. Just don't wear no meat soup when you're around them. <laughs> What I mean by that is as long as you are a docile, bojangle-type Sunni Muslim saying there's no racism, you never have anything to fear with the white man. He loves Satchmo. He loves Rochester. He loves Sammy Davis Jr. He loves Bed Marine. But he can't stand Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He can't stand Malcolm X. He couldn't stand Marcus Garvey. He couldn't stand Noble Dwali. He couldn't stand Clarence 13X. And he can't stand me. And I won't let him stand on me or you if I can help it. You understand? But he loves a smiling, head-scratching, watermelon-eating, even if he's saying he's a Muslim. I'm a Muslim, but white people are okay. Which white people are okay? The Irish? The Polish? The Yiddish? Who? Name one that's okay. Name one that's not responsible in some way or form for going into one of our lands and destroying us. Tell me what the white man has contributed to the upliftment of humanity. Bombs? Genocide? Drugs? Manufacturing of drugs? Tell me, brother. Give me a reason to want to like them. Just one. Give me a reason to want to trust them. Just one. Give me a reason to want to live with them. Just one. 
Give me a reason to want to work with them. Just one. Because I came over here not of my own free will. Because you took me off my goal. Because you wanted it. And I learned to like you. No, no, no. Better yet. I learned to love you more than I love myself. Because I wanted to look like you. I wanted to talk like you. I wanted to walk like you. I wanted to live in the houses you live in and go to the clubs you go to and eat in the restaurants you do and laugh at the comedy you laugh at and cry at the sad days and give out hearts on Valentine's Day. I wanted to celebrate the fact that you beat up the Indians and took their land. We call it Thanksgiving. I wanted to celebrate the birth of your women, the witches in the hollows, and we call it Halloween. I want to eat rats and call it rabbit. I want to eat pork, the filth of the earth. I want to get drunk. I want to stay drugged. I want you to rape my sisters. I want my sisters walking around with mini skirts and extensions of dead people's hair. This is all the things I want from you. I appreciate this, Mr. Whitey. This is the least you can do for us who built America for you. This is the least you could do for people who came and trusted you. We gave you our trust. Because we are very sensitive people. We gave you our very heart. And right now, there's brothers and sisters still out there trusting the Mr. White Man. Going to your schools and getting your education. And believing that one day there's going to be some hope. Because Dr. Martin Luther King said so. They didn't see how he died. Yeah. They didn't see why he died. They seem to have forgotten even when he died. They don't know that he was a peaceful man and you killed him. And Malcolm X was a very unpeaceful man and you killed him. So you didn't kill them for what they said or what they wanted. You killed them for what they were. And that means, black man, that regardless of what you say, whether it's a black Muslim or black Jew or 5% or a Rastafarian, or Pentecostal, or born-again Christian, or Seventh-day Adventist, or Jehovah Witness, or Africanologist, whatever you say you are, he doesn't kill you for that reason. He kills you because you are a supreme being. He's killing God every time he kills one of you. He's killing the name of Allah every time he removes one of you. This is what the white man has given you in return for your slave labor. You understand what I'm saying? He abuses you over and over again. And I want to add, I'm as sensitive as any other black man here. And I feel sorry for anybody, Sunni Muslim or Christian or anybody who wants to slide up under the arm of this devil in his leprosy and let him lie to you and tell you what he's going to promise you in the future. We then waited 379 and some more for your Christ to come. We then watched the skies. We then sung the gospel. We then had the seizures. We then gave you our money. We foamed at the mouth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit as Paul said so. We went and fought the war for you. We didn't only go to Vietnam. We fought the Civil War. You follow what I'm saying? What else do you want from us? And all we ask of you is to recognize our existence. And either 
replace us from which you've taken us or give us the ability to build for ourselves. I don't think that's asking too much after 400 years. Either give us back our motherland, Africa, and take your little leprous butt on out of there. Mm-hmm. Go on back up on that mountain in Europe behind that rope and let that leprosy come upon you again, that hemophilia and your syphilis and your gonorrhea and your herpes, let it all eat you up and leave us alone. It's just because we are supreme beings that we work off compassion and mercy. We keep forgiving you. We keep forgiving you. I should have realized when Allah didn't want you under the sun that you didn't belong on this planet. Mm. I should have realized that, that you're the only people on the planet that can't lay on the beach without fear of dying of cancer. That was man's sign that you were not an earthling. And you didn't come from out of space, otherwise you wouldn't be trying to get up there. You would know how to get up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. You could have only came from hell, a pit. Because that you know how to do. You know how to dig down. <laughs> so all we're going to do is bind you and put you back in your pit. Let's dance. I got um, two more questions. Um, one, um, the first question is, I went to a um, Dr. Ben uh, lecture, and he made something, a comment about Moses, uh, how he got the Ten Commandments. And he said that Moses lived in Egypt all his life, and that the Egyptians recited the 42 negative confessions, which was partial of the uh, Ten Commandments, and uh, that he didn't get it from the burning bush, that he studied in Egypt, and he was a high priest, and that's how he got it. Could you uh, clarify that? Sure, it's quite simple. You know what's wrong with (laughs) my good brother, Dr. Ben? What's that? He's been talking to the wrong kind of Muslim. He's been talking to misinformed Muslims. Well, he said that he got his research uh, from being in Africa. Right. And I've seen him there on his, on his excursions and his tours. Yeah. And don't knock it. But what he's missing is this. Bismillahi ar-Rahmani ar-Rahim. Anybody can turn their Quran to this if they want. Chapter 2, verse 136. <laughs> وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقَ وَيَاقُوبَ وَأَسْبَاطَ وَمَا أُطِيعَ مُوسَى That's Moses. وَعِيسَى That's Jesus. وَمَا أُطِيعَ نَبِيُونَ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ لَا نُفَرْقْ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِنْهُمْ وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ This quote is saying, it's talking first of all to all Muslims from Muhammad alayhi Say this, Muslim, I have my faith by way of Allah, Billahi, and what Unzila was sent down, Elena, to us. This is talking about the Quran. Okay? And what Unzila was sent down to Abraham. If you ask a Muslim, what book was sent down to Abraham? Average Muslim don't know about the Sahuf. They don't have that kind of knowledge. They just go, the Quran. <laughs> and that's that. Well, we've already passed the Quran. This book says something was sent down to Abraham, a revelation. Wa Ismail and, and Ishmael, wa Ishaq and Isaac, wa Yaqub and Yaqub, wa Asba and the tribes of 
That ends that. What was sent down to you, meaning the Quran, and what was sent down to Abraham, the Sahuf, and to Ismail, his son, Ismail and Isaac, who both had the revelation of the Sahuf, the father, and Jacob, and the tribes, meaning the tribes of Israel, and Ishmael, and the tribes of Midian, the Midianites. Then it says, and what was given to Moses, because these were pre-written tablets and given to him, as opposed to the coming down like the inspiration that came to Muhammad. And what was given to Jesus. And it was written, received by John, son of Zebedee, the book of Revelation, and then given to Jesus. That's why I used the word given. Then it says, and what was what? Given to the prophets from their sustainers. This is the key. We have covered the major prophets that we're talking about here. We're covering everybody from Abraham to Muhammad. Do you understand? And all those books in between would be inclusive, which would cause include the Sabor of Daud and his father Suleiman, the word Nebuchadnezzar. If we go back to Genesis of the Bible, we'll find that Noah had sons. And from Noah's sons came Cush and a man named Mizraim. Mizraim was where they get the word Mizraim, which is the Arabic equivalent to the Hebrew Mizraim for Egypt today. Mm -hmm. Egyptos, we know, is a Greek word meaning burnt or black faces. That don't belong there. All right? So the descendants of Noah, who was a prophet and who received revelation and who also had the books of the Sahuk of Enoch and Adam and Abraham and Seth, mm -hmm. took their books and went into Egypt with them way before the writing of Unconnected Psalms. Now, those Egyptians are of the family of Noah. And the scripture says, Noah was perfect in his generation, and the Lord found favor in him and his seed, you see? So the Egyptians that are writing these Psalms and Proverbs, like Unkin Unkin in them, they were part of the Nebuuna. They were prophets. And just like there's things in the Quran that match what's in the Torah, and there's things in the New Testament that match what is in the Old Testament, and there's things in the Psalm that match what's in the Torah and the New Testament, Old Testament and New Testament, the writings that came out of Egypt will match what Moses said because Moses was influenced by the Egyptians, educated by the Egyptians, and brought the same information that came from the Sahol, which was the Sahol of the descendants of Mizraim, who were descendants of Noah, and under the same covenant of Abraham, from the same creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those the book of the prophets that they're talking about here. And those were sacred scriptures that was in Egypt. So Moses did use portions of them, as well as have his own revelation. Because in that case, everything he received would have to come from that one tablet. And it didn't. Portions of that tablet are found in the five books of Moses, the same way portions of the Torah and the Injil are found in the Quran. So there is no difference. It's the same, tell Dr. Ben, it's the same family. They are all Noah's descendants. It's the same book. The Egyptian pharaohs who believed in Tawhid, which is the unification of Allah's deity, oneness, were prophets of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they're the same one. That's why the pharaoh, as they call the pharaoh in the Quran, converted to Islam, as opposed to the way it was left unexplained in the Torah. Okay? Okay, I can understand that. I, I, I can relate to that. Uh, it's one more question, and then I'm just going to sit down. Um, <clears throat> this, this lost 
books of the Bible and forgotten books of Eden. I don't understand why they were left out of the Bible or the Torah. All right, let me go again. <laughs> Come on, this is, don't go nowhere. I might need you. <laughs> All right. Here's why. What happens again is here we are in New York City, United States of America, looking at King James versions of the Bible. When the Quran was revealed to Muhammad, alayhi salatu wasalam, there was no such thing as the Bible you hold in your hand. You see? There was no such thing as King James version of the Bible. The Bibles that they had back in his time was the Catholic Bible. If you go to a Catholic Bible today, you'll find it has more than 66 books in it. They have other books, the books of Maccabean, etc. If you go back to the ancient Torah, they had even more books. What I'm trying to say is that there are many books written by many saints who are not necessarily prophets. But getting, go ahead. Just interrupt you for one second. I mean, I got all the stories of Adam and Eve that I never even read in the Bible. I mean, right. the journeys, the, uh, the sins, they that's, did more sins. That's right. More things uh, written by. So why, was that, why was that excluded from the because, Torah? Because the Torah, the word Torah means Pentateuch. Or law, right? No. Yes. But it refers to, it means Allah in Hebrew law. But refers to Pentateuch, which comes from Penta, which means five. The law of Moses was no more than the first five books. That was the law. All those other books are books of other prophets. Some of them, certain sects of Jews accepted, and some of them they didn't. The same way today in Islam, you have Shiaism and Sunnism. Sunnis accept certain hadith, and Shia accept other hadith, and they're both about the same man, Muhammad. Now, in later times, here we come with another sect called the Ahmadiyya. And they pick and choose from both Sunni and Shia hadith and create their own school of thought. So you get all these schools of thought. Now, as time passes on, certain people have more books that they believe in of the hadith than others. The only text that is authentic in this case is the Quran. The only text that is authentic in that case is the five books of Moses. All these other books are books of other prophets. Depending on the schools of thought of the rabbis, they decided which books they would and which books they didn't. You're in one country that has been invaded by a certain kind of Jew and a certain kind of Christian, so you're subject to go by their selection of the books. So you hold up the King James Version with its 66 books and say, where did these other books go? If you was in the Jerusalem there and you held up the Jerusalem Bible, it would have other books. If you was amongst the Russian Orthodox Christian, they would have other books written by saints that they knew and monks that they knew. You yeah, follow what I'm saying? I do understand to a degree, but what I'm saying is, is that this is Genesis. I mean, if you're going to write about Adam and Eve, why would they exclude the whole thing of Adam and Eve from, from, uh, they didn't. from the trans? They didn't. What is true about Adam and Eve is found in the Torah. Scholars and rabbis wrote their own parts and called them other scriptures. Wow. What is true is the five books of Moses. That's what he received. And all of them recognize that in the 613 commandments. So this book in my hand is not... It's not no, it's writings of men. So this, that, this is like Hadith. That's exactly what it is. Okay. <laughs> exactly. All right, all right, and you'll have to decide how much of it you want to accept. Or will you go by the vein of it all, which is the Torah. 
Or do you go by, as I say, the vein of Islam, which is the Quran? Or do you listen to a whole bunch of men who want to be like Allah, who want to be like the Prophet, and they start opinionating on his life and exaggerate Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And has no part. And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous, eternal friend. And send salvation of Allah on all of his prophets. And his We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. And now, the true light featuring Sayyid Isa al Hadi al Mahdi. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, I ran across a book uh, last week called The Lost Book of the Bible and the Forgotten Books of Eden. And um, I ran across something that was uh, disturbing to me. Um, I can't read this in Roman numerals, but it's a chapter about Adam and Eve. It's one of the books that wasn't in the Bible. And um, I ran across something of a prophecy of the coming of Christ. <clears throat> and this is Adam. This is God supposedly speaking to Adam, if I can read this. Again said God unto Adam, all this misery that hath been made to take upon thee because of thy transgression will not set free from the hand of Satan. It will not save thee, but I will. When I shall come down from heaven and shall become flesh of thy seed and take upon me the infamy from which thou sufferest, then the darkness that came upon thee in the cave shall come upon me in the grave when I'm in the flesh of the seed. And I shall, when I'm without years, shall be subject to the reckoning of years, of times, of months, and of days. And I shall be reckoned, reckoned as one of the sons of man in order to save thee. Um, what he is saying to me is that, um, that Allah personified into a man and came down... Right. No problem. You know why? Because I'm looking at a man right now, you, mm -hmm. and Allah is a soul inside your body. You understand that? Allah is in every man. That's why Jesus made a statement, did I not say ye are God? When they try to pinpoint him as just a God, they asked him, what's the highest of all the commandments? He said, well, the highest of all the commandments is that the Lord thy God is one God, and you should worship him alone. That was a statement, but when he referred to anybody else in St. John's, he said, I came unto my own people, but my own people received me not. But as many of them that do receive me, I give them the power to be what? Sons of God. When the, when the Pharisees and them questioned him about his Godship, he turned and said, is it not written in your law, I said ye are God? So he was not saying that he was the only God personified. He was saying all man who lives righteous has the spirit of the Most High in them or the soul moving them, making them holy. 
That's why Jesus kept saying, you got to be born again. You have messed up since your first birth. You got to be born again and get the Holy Spirit moving inside you again. And that Holy Spirit comes down from where? What did Jesus say? It comes down from heaven. But when John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus in the morning, they said the skies opened up an image or like a dove descended down from heaven upon Jesus. And then they heard a voice from heaven saying what? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. You see? So it was the spirit that he sent down because the voice was still in the heaven. That's what the Christians keep missing when they read that section. When it speaks about the skies opening and the dove descending, the voice came from the heaven. So if Jesus was on earth and the dove was descending or the likeness of a dove was descending, the voice, who was the voice of whom? Well, Jesus made it very clear in Matthew. He said, our father who art where? In heaven. And Jesus made it very clear to them in their doctrine of crucifixion because if he was on the cross, he said, Father, it is over. Unto your hands I send my spirit. Now, if he was the Father, shouldn't he say, well, it is over. Now I will return to heaven. He didn't say that. He's speaking from the first person singular to the second. Father, it is over. Unto your hands I send my spirit. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, so there's nothing wrong with that book. That book is merely saying that when you saw Jesus, you saw the Father. When I see you, I see the Father. If you are walking in the Father's footsteps, and if you are obeying the words of the Father, and if you are living by the commandments of the Father, when I see you, I see the Father. The prophet Muhammad made the same statement. He said, follow my sunnah. Follow my way, because I am the best of examples for this day and time. I am the seal of the prophet. Obey me, and you're obeying Allah. Love me, and you're loving Allah, which is the same as Jesus. I and the Father are one. When you see me, you see the Father. They said, oh, you're saying that you are the Father? He said, is it not written in your law? I said, ye are God. They said, to stone him. Anyway. So when you realize who you are and you make the declaration, all of us are the children of the Most High and His Spirit is in us, then people say about Imam Isa, he says he is Allah. I never said I am Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I am one of His sons, one of His children, and His Spirit moves in me because He said He did. He used the word nafakha, to breathe. He said He breathed, He blew His Spirit into me and I became a living soul. He said that. Now, you want to go against that, I, that's on you. The way I see it, and the way I know you see it, is that all the divine that moves through me, my intuition, my psychic powers, and we all have these sensitivities, because sometimes you get ready to pick up a phone, and someone is there. And you get ready to call John, you get ready to dial his number, you pick up the phone, and John then dials you at the same time. Or you walk in and say, you know what? I haven't seen my friend Ahmed in about a month. Turn the corner, corner and bump right into Ahmed. That is divine moving in you. Because it ain't no coincidence if it happened more than twice. Coincidence means two incidents. Coincidence. If it happened to you more than twice in your life, then it ain't no coincidence. The divine is moving inside you. And if you channel that divine, nothing can stop you. That's what Jesus is trying to say. If you channel the divine in you and let it grow in you and become born again and let the Holy Spirit move you and live by the will of the Most High, nothing and nobody can stop you. That's what I'm trying to teach. And of course the white man and the devil and his helpers hate that. Because I'll have black men walking around saying, you know what we are? We are supreme beings. 
We didn't say we all are. We are the supreme beings. As I said a couple of weeks ago downstairs, and I was in the class, I said that they go to Egypt and they look at statues all up and down the Nile, don't they? And what do they call them? Gods. They say these are Egyptian gods. That's Ramses. That's one of your descendants they're talking about. That's Abimelech, one of your descendants. So when the white man is on one of his little excursions to Cairo, fly Cairo for $354 and go from the hotel and he rides on over to the pyramids and he sees the Sphinx. Then he goes down to Luxor and he sees all these massive statues of black men with big lips and nappy hair and says, these are the Egyptian gods, right? Then he comes back to America, borders in Kennedy Airport and sees this guy grabbing his luggage and says, look at that nasty nigger. Mm. That nasty nigger, Whitey, is the same God you was admiring when you was in Egypt. <laughs> you just misplaced him. You just took his soul from him. You moved. You removed his purpose, and you injected drugs and alcohol and bad thoughts and anger and envy and jealous. You removed his dignity. You removed his manhood. How can he stand up and be supreme when you have made him a bum? But I'm going to tell you something, white man. If you stop and listen to a derelict, you hear divine. <laughs> You're right about that. If you go right up to the Port Authority and talk to a, a derelict who's mumbling, listen to what that man is mumbling. He's usually saying, they did this to me. I don't know why they picked on me. I trusted in them. I believe, didn't you trust him? You trust the white man so much that you worked six days and waited to get paid on the seventh. And they would start working another six days and waiting to get paid on the seven. You never once said, pay me each day I work. Or pay me before I do the work. No, you did a whole six days. And then he gave you a piece of paper and sent you to a friend of his who put a stamp and made you sign your signature. He gave you some more paper and told you it was worth its weight in gold. Oh, you could identify with gold. Why can you identify with gold? Because you come from Mother Africa, Africa where gold is born. And I, I want to add another chapter to this, which I've said many times. If the Heavenly Father, are y'all with me? If the Heavenly Father didn't love black people so much, why did he put all of the richest minerals under our feet in Africa and none in Europe? Why is gold and diamonds and onyx and ivory, they got to go to Africa to shoot our elephant brothers, because that's all they are to us. That's how we live with them until Tarzan came. <laughs> A white man, huh? He running around Africa. Yeah, right. Catch malaria and die the first week. <laughs> but anyway, in Africa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed gold. If you don't believe me, ask the South Africans. That's why they have apartheid, really. Now, why did Allah chose you to give the gold? He could have put it in Europe. He didn't put it in the Vatican. The Pope ain't got no gold growing under him. He don't think much of Christianity, you know. Because Christians, they never had no wealth. They ain't even had good weather. Nowhere they ever resided was there ever a comfortable environment for Christians. Nowhere. Not even in Utah. But the Almighty, now listen again, he loves you so much, he put the criteria for wealth in the whole world 
under your feet in Africa, gold. And you gave it up to the American Negroes. You willfully gave up the gold to serve the white man. Because the slave master came over there and made offers for you that he's going to give you more money for your labors than you can earn in your own land. <laughs> How can you earn more money than all the gold in the world? Ain't that what he told us? And then we climb on the good ship, Jesus. That's right. And, <laughs> and end up in America. And has he ever given you a goal? No. What has he given you in turn? He gave you drugs. He gave you pork. He gave you poverty. He gave you diseases. He gave you the wrong image of yourself, the wrong likeness of yourself. He even changed the name from, from Allah to God. He took away God. He took away language. He took away land. He took away your name. And now he's even taken away your manhood and changed you into Michael Jackson. He hasn't stopped taking. And you know the worst part about it, y'all? You know the worst part? We haven't stopped giving. There's still black people saying, all white people ain't bad, are they? I mean, I know some white people. They, they, I mean, this white guy in school, you know, he, uh, well, you know, when I take this carpool, wait, wait, I was, you know, I was in the hospital very sick and this white, wait, uh, all white people are not bad, are they? I said, no, no. All lions are not bad either. Just don't wear no meat soup when you're around them. <laughs> What I mean by that is as long as you are a docile, bojangle-type Sunni Muslim saying there's no racism, you never have anything to fear with the white man. He loves Satchmo. He loves Rochester. He loves Sammy Davis Jr. He loves Bed Marine. But he can't stand Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He can't stand Malcolm X. He couldn't stand Marcus Garvey. He couldn't stand Noble Juali. He couldn't stand Clarence 13X. And he can't stand me. And I won't let him stand on me or you if I can help it. You understand? But he loves a smiling, head-scratching, watermelon-eating, even if he's saying he's a Muslim. I'm a Muslim, but white people are okay. Which white people are okay? The Irish? The Polish? The Yiddish? Who? Name one that's okay. Name one that's not responsible in some way or form for going into one of our lands and destroying us. Tell me what the white man has contributed to the upliftment of humanity. Bombs? Genocide? Drugs? Manufacturing of drugs? Tell me, brother. Give me a reason to want to like them. Just one. Give me a reason to want to trust them. Just one. Give me a reason to want to live with them. Just one. Give me a reason to want to work with them. Just one. Because I came over here not of my own free will. Because you took me off my goal. Because you wanted it. And I learned to like you. Nah, nah, nah. Better yet. I learned to love you more than I love myself. Because I wanted to look like you. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk like you. I want to walk like you. I want to live in the houses you live in and go to the clubs you go to and eat in the restaurants you do and laugh at the comedy you laugh at and cry at the sad days and give out hearts on Valentine's Day. I want to celebrate the fact that you beat up the Indians and took their land. We call it Thanksgiving. I want to celebrate the birth of your women, the witches and the hollers, and we call it Halloween. 
I want to eat rats and call it rabbit. I want to eat pork, the filth of the earth. I want to get drunk. I want to stay drugged. I want you to wreck my sisters. I want my sisters walking around with mini skirts and extensions of dead people's hair. This is all the things I want from you. I appreciate this, Mr. Whitey. This is the least you can do for us who built America for you. This is the least you could do for people who came and trusted you. We gave you our trust because we are very sensitive people. We gave you our very heart. And right now, there's brothers and sisters still out there trusting the Mr. White Man, going to your schools and getting your education and believing that one day there's going to be some hope because Dr. Martin Luther King said so. They didn't see how he died. Yeah. They didn't see why he died. They seem to have forgotten even when he died. They don't know that he was a peaceful man and you killed him. And Malcolm X was a very unpeaceful man and you killed him. So you didn't kill them for what they said or what they wanted. You killed them for what they were. And that means, black man, that regardless of what you say, whether it's a black Muslim or a black Jew or a 5% or a Rastafarian or a Pentecostal or a born-again Christian or a seven-day Adventist or a Jehovah Witness or Africanologist, whatever you say you are, he doesn't kill you for that reason. He kills you because you are a supreme being. He's killing God every time he kills one of you. He's killing the name of Allah every time he removes one of you. This is what the white man has given you in return for your slave labor. You understand what I'm saying? He abuses you over and over again. And I want to add, I'm as sensitive as any other black man here. And I feel sorry for anybody, Sunni Muslim or Christian or anybody who wants to slide up under the arm of this devil in his leprosy and let him lie to you and tell you what he's going to promise you in the future, we then waited 379 and some more for your Christ to come. We didn't watch the skies. We didn't sung the gospels. We didn't had the seizures. We didn't gave you our money. We foamed at the mouth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit as Paul said so. We went and fought the war for you. We didn't only go to Vietnam. We fought the civil war. You follow what I'm saying? What else do you want from us? And all we ask of you is to recognize our existence. And either replace us from which you've taken us or give us the ability to build for ourselves. I don't think that's asking too much after 400 years. Either give us back our motherland Africa and take your little leprous butt on out of there. Mm-hmm. Go on back up on that mountain in Europe behind that rope and let that leprosy come upon you again, that hemophilia and your syphilis and your gonorrhea and your herpes, let it all eat you up and leave us alone. It's just because we are supreme beings that we work off compassion and mercy. We keep forgiving you. We keep forgiving you. I should have realized when Allah didn't want you under the sun that you didn't belong on this planet. Mm. I should have realized that. 
that you're the only people on the planet that can't lay on the beach without fear of dying of cancer. That was man's sign that you were not an earthling. And you didn't come from out of space, otherwise you wouldn't be trying to get up there. You would know how to get up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. You could have only came from hell, a pit. Because that you know how to do. You know how to dig down. <laughs> so all we're going to do is bind you and put you back in your pit. That's that. I got um, two more questions. Um, one, um, the first question is, I went to a um, Dr. Ben uh, lecture, and he made certain, a comment about Moses, uh, how he got the Ten Commandments. And he said that Moses lived in Egypt all his life, and that the Egyptians recited the 42 negative confessions, which was partial of the uh, Ten Commandments, and uh, that he didn't get it from the burning bush, that he studied in Egypt, and he was a high priest, and that's how he got it. Could you uh, clarify that? Sure, it's quite simple. You know what's wrong with (laughs) my good brother, Dr. Ben? What's that? He's been talking to the wrong kind of Muslims. He's been talking to misinformed Muslims. Well, he said that he got his research uh, from being in Africa. Right. And I've seen him there yeah. on, his, on his excursions and his tours. Yeah. And don't knock it. But what he's missing is this. Bismillahi ar-Rahmani ar-Rahim. Anybody can turn their Quran to this if they want. Chapter 2, verse 136. <laughs> وَمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقَ وَيَاقُوبَ وَأَسْبَاطِ وَمَا أُطِيعَ مُوسَى That's Moses. وَعِيسَى That's Jesus. وَمَا أُطِيعَ نَبِيُونَ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ لَا نُفَرْقْ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِنْهُمْ وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ This quote is saying, it's talking first of all to all Muslims from Muhammad alayhi salatu wasalam. Say this, Muslim, I have my faith by way of Allah, Billahi, and wa ma what unzila was sent down Elena to us. And this is talking about the Quran. Okay? Wa ma and what unzila ilay was sent down to Abraham. If you ask a Muslim, what book was sent down to Abraham, the average Muslim don't know about the Sahos. They don't have that kind of knowledge. They just go the Quran. <laughs> and that's that. We've already passed the Quran. This book says something was sent down to Abraham, a revelation. Okay? Wa Ismail and, and Ishmael. Wa Ishaq and Isaac. Wa Yaqub and Yaqub. Wa Asbah and the tribes. Of, that ends that. What was sent down to you, meaning the Quran, and what was sent down to Abraham, the Sahuf. And Ismail, his son, Ismail and Isaac, who both had the revelations of Sahuf, and Jacob, and the tribes, meaning the tribes of Israel, and Ishmael, and the tribes of Midian, the Midianites. Then it says, and Wama what was given to Moses, because these were pre-written tablets and given to him, as opposed to the coming down like the inspiration that came to Muhammad. And what was given to Jesus. And they were written, received by John, son of Zebedee, the book of Revelation, and then given to Jesus. That's why I used the word given. Then it says, and what was what? Given to 
the prophets from their sustainers. This is the key. We have covered the major prophets that we're talking about here. We're covering everybody from Abraham to Muhammad. You understand? And all those books in between would be inclusive, which would cause, include the Sabor of Daud and his father Suleiman, the word Nebuchadnezzar. If we go back to Genesis of the Bible, we'll find that Noah had sons. And from Noah's son came Cush and a man named Mizraim. Mizraim was where they get the word Mizraim, which is the Arabic equivalent to the Hebrew Mizraim for Egypt today. Mm -hmm. Egyptos, we know, is a Greek word meaning burnt or black faces. That don't belong there. All right? So the descendants of Noah, who was a prophet and who received revelation and who also had the books of the Sahuk of Enoch and Adam and Abraham and Seth, mm -hmm. took their books and went into Egypt with them way before the writing of Ankenantin Psalms. Now, those Egyptians are of the family of Noah. And the scripture says, Noah was perfect in his generation, and the Lord found favor in him and his seed, you see? So the Egyptians that are writing these Psalms and Proverbs, like Unkin Unkin and them, they were part of the Nebuna. They were prophets. And just like there's things in the Quran that match what's in the Torah, and there's things in the New Testament that match what is in the Old Testament, and there's things in the Psalm that match what's in the Torah and the New Testament, Old Testament and the New Testament, the writings that came out of Egypt will match what Moses said because Moses was influenced by the Egyptians, educated by the Egyptians, and brought the same information that came from the Sahoma which was the source of the descendants of Mizraim, who were descendants of Noah, and under the same covenant of Abraham, from the same creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those the books of the prophets that they're talking about here, and those were sacred scriptures that was in Egypt. So Moses did use portions of them, as well as have his own revelation, because in that case, everything he received would have to come from that one tablet, and it didn't. Portions of that tablet are found in the five books of Moses, the same way portions of the Torah and the Injil are found in the Quran. So there's no difference. It's the same, tell Dr. Ben, it's the same family. They are all Noah's descendants. It's the same book. The Egyptian pharaohs who believed in Tawhid, which is the unification of Allah's deity, ship, oneness, were prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they're the same one. That's why the Pharaoh, as they call the Pharaoh in the Quran, converted to Islam as opposed to the way it was left unexplained in the Torah. Okay? Okay, I can understand that. I, I, I can relate to that. Uh, it's one more question, and then I'm just going to sit down. Um, <clears throat> this, this lost books of the Bible and forgotten books of Eden, I don't understand why they were left out of the Bible or the Torah. All right, let me go again. <laughs> Come on, this is, don't go nowhere. I might need you. <laughs> All right. Here's why. What happens again is here we are in New York City, United States of America, looking at King James versions of the Bible. When the Quran was revealed to Muhammad, alayhi salatu wasalam, there was no such thing as the Bible you hold in your hand. You see? There was no such thing as repeat, King James. I mean, I... There was no such thing as a Bible that you hold in your hand, a King James version of a Bible. The Bibles that they had back in his time 
was the Catholic Bible. If you go to a Catholic Bible today, you'll find it has more than 66 books in it. They have other books, the books of Maccabean, etc. If you go back to the ancient Torah, they had even more books. What I'm trying to say is that there are many books written by many saints who are not necessarily prophets, but getting... Go ahead. Just, just interrupt you for one second. I mean, I got all the stories of Adam and Eve that I never even read in the Bible. I mean, right. the journeys, the, uh, the sins, they that's, did more sins. That's right. More things uh, written by... Why was, that, why was that excluded from the because, Torah? Because the Torah, the word Torah means Pentateuch. Or law, right? No, yes. But it refers to, it means Arah in Hebrew law. But it refers to Pentateuch, which comes from Penta, which means five. The law of Moses was no more than the first five books. That was the law. All those other books are books of other prophets. Some of them, certain sects of Jews accepted, and some of them they didn't. The same way today in Islam, you have Shiaism and Sunnism. Sunnis accept certain hadiths, and Shia accept other hadiths, and they're both about the same man, Muhammad. Now, in later times, here we come with another sect called the Ahmadiyya. And they pick and choose from both Sunni and Shia hadith and create their own school of thought. So you get all these schools of thought. Now, as time passes on, certain people have more books that they believe in of the hadith than others. The only text that is authentic in this case is the Quran. The only text that is authentic in that case is the five books of Moses. All these other books are books of other prophets. Depending on the schools of thought of the rabbis, they decided which books they would and which books they didn't. You're in one country that has been invaded by a certain kind of Jew and a certain kind of Christian, so you're subject to go by their selection of the books. So you hold up the King James Version with its 66 books and say, where did these other books go? If you was in the Jerusalem there and you held up the Jerusalem Bible, it would have other books. If you was amongst the Russian Orthodox Christians, they would have other books written by saints that they knew and monks that they knew. You yeah, follow what I'm saying? I do understand for a degree, but what I'm saying is, is that this is Genesis. I mean, if you're going to write about Adam and Eve, why would they exclude the whole thing of Adam and Eve from, from, uh, they didn't. from the trend? They didn't. What is true about Adam and Eve is found in the Torah. Scholars and rabbis wrote their own parts and called them other scriptures. What is true is the five books of Moses. That's what he received, and all of them recognize that, and the 613 commandments. So this book in my hand is not... It's not no, it's writings of men. So this, the, this is like a deep. That's exactly what it is. Okay. <laughs> exactly. All right, all right, and okay. you'll have to decide how much of it you want to accept, or will you go by the vein of it all, which is the Torah? Or do you go by, as I say, the vein of Islam, which is the Quran? Or do you listen to a whole bunch of men who want to be like Allah, who want to be like the prophet, and they start opinionating on his life and they exaggerate it? They want to make every prophecy in the New Testament fit the Old Testament. And now Muslims come along and they want to make everything Jesus did look like what Muhammad did. So they start writing miracles and stuff that don't even make sense in, my, in scientific terms or in common sense, just to make Muhammad look as great as Jesus. And they wanted to make Jesus the greatest of all, so they took every prophecy in the Torah they could and made it match him. You know what I'm saying? This is the workings of men. And we're supposed to be able to work our way around them. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, Kron. I'm fine.
Assalamu alaikum. Um, I have a statement, and I guess it's a question too. But um, what I want to know is when I first came in, we were talking about the Nubians. And um, I noticed that a lot of times when we talk, we talk about how black people is the majority of people all over the whole planet, and that um, this group of black people, okay, like Orientals and, and Spanish people, and black people, we're all black people, we're all Nubians. Um, and I don't have any problems with that, but what, what bothers me sometimes is how when people talk about all the different races of Nubians and they put, put us all together, how to me it seems like black Americans get neglected. You know, they get like lost in the shuffle. And I notice how some black people try to make other Nubians um, worse off than black Americans. And I don't feel that way. And I don't... Let me ask you a question. Okay. You don't think Spanish Harlem is, is in a bad condition as Upper Harlem? That's not what I'm saying. Just ask the question. Do you think that the Latino brothers in this country and sisters are getting treated as bad as we are? Yes. How about the new stock of Orientals? Not the Koreans who they've given stores to. I'm talking about in Chinatown, where they now have gangs and ghettos and, and, and derelicts. See, what I'm saying, I don't have any problems with any of that. Okay. I, I can relate to all, <laughs> all of that. Right, you know, but the point that I'm trying to make is that sometimes when black people push it away from black Americans and they start talking about other black nationalities, they seem to forget about their own problem. And I think that the problem of black Americans needs to be dealt with first. Well, listen to this. Before that you could really... Let me, let, me, let, me, let me add something. Okay. In Mother Africa, as it's called by people, I hate to use the word Africa because they're not Africans, they're Nubians, but people don't know what you're talking about if you don't say Africa. Right. Okay? But in Mother Africa, like Ethiopia, their conditions are worse than mine and yours. Mm-hmm. And they are us. Right. In Sudan, they're suffering, droughts. Their conditions are worse than ours, right? Right. So in reality, shouldn't we put attention on helping them? They're in a worse condition than we are and then get to ourselves? I'm just asking. Just a question. Okay. I just feel like we need to help ourselves first before we try to help anybody else. But that is ourselves. Those are our, that's, that's, yeah, that's Mother Africa. That is ourselves. And if your roots die, then the whole tree dies. I, and I agree with that. But if we don't help ourselves first, then how are we going to be able to help somebody else? Because we have two pieces of bread right now, and they have none. So if we just give them one, we both will raise up to the same level and then make the working force stronger to move to the third level. But if we eat both pieces of bread so we'll get strong enough to help them, masses of them in the millions will be dead. And they'll never be there when we come back to help them. They're dying, literally, of starvation on the streets in Ethiopia, in Somali, in uh, Sudan. People are dying of starvation. By the time we get out of together, and you will probably know already, they like the white man. They like working for him. They like the way he treats them. It's going to take time to shake this here thing. You know how many brothers and sisters in Mother Africa are going to die this year while we're getting it together? So being me and you are healthy, and our brain works, and we have two slices of bread, I say, let's share one slice of bread and bring our brothers who are dying to a point where they won't die at least because the South African condition is just going to get worse. 
I think that we need to make a, some concentrated effort to do something about the conditions of the people in the Sudan from which we came as Nubians before we let them die. The white man will let our mother country die. If all of then go in, bring Christianity, and then you won't be any good to the people over there. Because you try to go to Africa and convert an African back to Islam after he accepted Christianity, you like talking to a brick wall. Because the white man brought with him the Red Cross and food. He didn't bring no machinery so they can become independent. He brought grain and rice and beans and clothes and the Bible and a white Jesus. And that man starts to look like their savior. Though he saves them in one respect, he murders them in the next. But he's doing the same thing to us over here. And if we can't get it together over here first, how will we be able to see those pitfalls over there to help anyone over there? Right. I just don't right. understand how we are going to be able to help Okay, I'll tell you how. By joining together and working together. We in the Ansarlaw community, have you seen our latest newspaper? You can see what we're doing on the inside. Right. We are building. So we don't consider ourselves as doing bad. Or our problem is convincing more of our own with qualifications to come. We need our own gynecologists, dermatologists, ophthalmologists, pediatricians. We need our own shoemakers, hat makers, tailors, seamstress. We need our own everything. But black people rather be on the outside of a of a working community and talk about what they heard take place in here than to come in here and find out for themselves and help us build. They'd rather go to some dude named Abdul from Queens who says, I used to be there and I heard they do this and I heard they do that. And he still lives in the project. Right. And then he's still on welfare. But they won't come on the inside of here and work out with us. And start, because the more y'all come in, the stronger we get. The more you bring in, the more we have to produce. And the more black people we reach. But as long as you're on the outside looking in, you can't see the power of the Ansar law growing. Because we're spending so much time trying to get y'all to come in and join that we, y'all are not seeing what we have here. We are, very, we are a very advanced community. I mean, from computer technology straight on out. Don't you see the books coming out like bam, yeah. bam, bam. How sophisticated, how do they look? Yeah, they look good. But see, that's, the, that's the exact point that I'm making. Well, you know, man. I can see the Ansars doing this from the inside out uh-huh. and how you're trying to bring everybody in. And um, I'm coming across the same type of problem when I'm out in the community trying to talk to other people about the well, come on home and let me do the talking. I talk better than you. Yeah, you do. You talk let, better let me than do it. Come on that's home true. and help me from the inside by typing some of these books and laying out these things and raising these black kids so they don't get that, you know what you saw on television earlier? So they don't get that image of white supremacy in their mind. And let me, I obviously was raised up to do the talking. Because one thing I do good is talk. <laughs> so I, give I, that to, I give that to you, Imam Issa, but you can't be everywhere at one time. I can be everywhere at one time. That's why they have international media. That's why right now, while I'm talking here, they're listening to me in Philadelphia and in Chicago and in Trinidad and in Barbados and all over the world because we can do that now. And the bigger we get, we'll, then eventually we will satellite it. And not only will they be listening to me, they'll, they'll be looking at me and they'll be able to ask questions at one time. And then when I stepped down, I got five grown sons all speaking Arabic ready to come in. I'm not alone. I'm not going to make the same mistake other leaders make. I'm grooming my sons to step in where I stepped down. You follow? And they are sharper than I am. So if they think they got a problem with me, they ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> okay? okay? But my thing is, my people won't support me. The people wrote a book about me and created a bunch of lies, and I answered the book, and you still didn't come home. Still on the outside talking in. 
They said, he did this, he does this, he did this, he was born here, I know the truth, I know this. I said, well, here, here's facts, here's the proof, here's pictures, here's dates, here's mathematics, here's the quote. And y'all are still outside saying, one day I'm coming in. What do I have to do to make you realize it? So you know the next thing I'm doing? I'm writing a book, and it's called 360 Questions to Ask an Orthodox Sunni Muslim. It has about 900 questions in it or more. But we say 360. You know why? Why? Because I'm saying to you people now, if you don't believe that I am the one that Allah has raised up from the east unto the west to reform you, then take this book out there and ask anybody to answer these questions. And when they can't, and they can't, <laughs> then I will. And then if you still don't join in, then you deserve whatever the white man does to you. If after this book gets out there and you start asking their white Arab friends and their red Arab friends, what is this and where is this and how is this? And they say, I don't know. The only thing they're going to say is he's crazy. He's anti-Islam. He's not a Muslim. He say, yeah, beside all that, answer this question. Right. right. So Imam Issa, all right, like for example, right now you're talking to me and you're talking to this group of people that's here and um, all those other places that you just named. But when we all leave from here, and when this here um, finishes being broadcasted or whatever, and you get into individual conversations with people that have never stepped foot over here, don't know what an Ansar community is, don't understand their blackness, don't want to relate to Africa, don't want to relate to Islam, don't even want to relate to the fact that they're black, period, you know, and they think that they're better than some of their other black brothers and sisters, you know, and you are not there. All right, right? but listen to and this. And I have to talk to these yeah, people. Yeah, but you don't have to do that. You know why? Because why? if you were here and 100,000 more of you were here, we would intimidate the white man so much that he'll start telling Uncle Remus and then how he really feels about them. The problem is there's still somebody for the white man to reason with and to talk to. There's still Negroes still going to lunch with him and hanging out with him. If everybody was in here and this, this community would start to expand across Bushwick, on down to Bedford Stuyvesant, and they'd be seeing white veils and white robes and us moving and patrolling all over the place, our own businesses, then those black people out there will become the object of the joke. The white man will turn on them because of you, because that's what they need. They need to turn around one day and see the white man for what he really is. They're afraid to because they got a job. You understand? Me and you got to do that by becoming so, such a strong force that everywhere they look, they see one of us. Mm-hmm. And then when they see a Negro who don't look like one of us, he wants to ask them, then what are you? Mm-hmm. Why right. haven't you woken up? Everybody else is awoke. Right. Right. That's the only way to do it. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. There's that sister across, the, across town now in the Albany Project sitting on the second floor and saying, I ain't getting caught up in all that old black stuff. Yeah. She will have no choice when we are providing food, clothes, shelter, and as Honorable Elijah Muhammad so clearly put it, which will breed love, peace, and happiness. When they see a healthy community for their kids. We have Arabic classes now here for people on the outside. Sisters, come here and bring their kids. Right? Right. We are building the nation from the inside and the out now. There is no more excuses. Okay, I'm not making it. No, no, not you. Oh, not okay. you. I'm talking about those people out there. They have no excuses. The gates are open. You understand? You can be yeah. outside and participate inside. Study your Arabic. Bring your sister, your, your kids here. Bring your wives here. Sisters, teach them Arabic. It's all laid out for you. Now, if they don't respond, Lakum, dinukum, waliyadi, 
to them be their judgment and us be ours. Because then we're entitled to get what the white man gives us and we don't see the opportunity. Anybody can see is what the Ansar Law community is doing is working. Because I was impressed this morning because I listened to a sister who came to the mic. I think she's the first sister. You know what was most impressive about what she was doing? She kept saying the Amorite, the Amorite. She wasn't saying the white man. Right. And the white man hears her in college saying the Amorite, the Amorite. Right. You know what he says? Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. They know who we are now. We're no longer lily white and pure and clean like Mr. Clean. We are the Amorite. Mm-hmm. Then she'll start saying the Canaanite, the Canaanite. And he'll say, she even knows we have the curse. Mm-hmm. That means Ansar Law is moving. Mm-hmm. The Nubian nation is on the move. Yeah. What does Adam look like, y'all? What does Isaac look like? Abraham, Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, you. We're on the move. Our flag is flying high. We're doing good. All we got to do is come together and work outward like a nucleus and keep multiplying themselves. And like the, oh, like the brother said, and there ain't in, in plain, simple black language, and there ain't no stopping us now. All right. Right. You in blue. You took too long. You were so busy worrying about my brother, Minister Louis Farrakhan, and how to stop him. And you were so busy worrying about my friend in Florida, Yahweh Ben Yahweh, and imprisoning him. You overlooked the real one. That's why they said he's going to come like a thief in the mm-hmm. night. I was here all the time when Honorable Elijah Muhammad was here, just waiting my turn. Right. I was just sitting in the wings, waiting the shot, waiting for the day. And now, the day has come. Yeah. Truth has arrived. False things will perish. The reformer is here. Yeah. Not is coming. Is here. And I will reform. And the first means of reformation is to get those white images out your head and get the dignity and the identity of a supreme being back in there. So you walk straight up, nose straight and proud to be who you are. Get your garbs on, women. If you ain't going to put no veil on, put a long skirt on. Cover your bodies up. Get ready. Start to read Arabic. Start to get it. Forget them African study courses. Because ain't no much of Uncle Tom in most cases got a white wife, like the sister said. The guy in charge of the African organization up top got a white girlfriend. Still love the white man. They can't break away from the slave master. He's one pushing the crumbs off the table on the floor for them to eat. That's what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught. But no, 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 no. You know how the you know he said, come forth, Lazarus. You were in a tomb. Rigor mortis had already set in, brothers and sisters. You have been mentally dead for a long time. And I'm saying to you, like Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus. And I ask the lost upon what the Allah to give me the strength to resurrect you from the mental dead. Come forth, Lazarus. Come to life everlasting. Join amongst your own and build the Nubian nation. Then we have the option to either go home or make this our home because it doesn't belong to either me or the white man. It belongs to the Indian. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I understand what you're saying. But we, got, we, can't, we can't let them make us get discouraged and stop believing because without faith, there's no hope. And I see, and I know you see, when you walk to see people in pendants, and now we got jackets out. We're trying to put anything out to keep the name going across. 
And with the name Nubian Nation, Nubian Nation, they're like that brother standing, a couple of people, I got the flag with the unk. He got a couple of symbols on his chest. But in the midst of there is that flag, black, red, and green. And I'm not saying red, black, and green. We didn't make no mistake. We didn't say red, black, and green. We're saying black, red, and green. And when you see people say, we're not wearing no doggone Jamaican flag. So take off the yellow and the green because that was given to you by the white man. We're wearing black, red, and green. And the reason why black is first and not red is because the red on the flag symbolizes blood. We do not, I repeat, we do not intend to bleed again. So we have removed the black and put the black first and put the red second. Because you will not do to us what you've done Now, let me go back and make something clear. Do you know that when brothers join into Sunni Islam, that they're back in the slave trade? See, it was the Arabs that sold you into slavery. So now, if some brother in America accepts money from one of those organizations, money for blacks in America, he is now becoming John Hawkins. He's receiving money to sell you back under their rule. So you can back their philosophy on Islam. Don't you see that if the brother Bilal Philip gets paid to try to make us unite with them, it's another form of the slave, the Arab slave trade. If the brother Siraj Wahaj is trying to get money to build a mosque on Bedford, then they're going to send into them their kind of teachers with their kind of doctrine, and they're going to be back in an Arab slave trade. Now, God, we all got to pray that Minister Louis Farrakhan does not get tempted by that beast and fall victim to, fall victim to him. Yes. And also, keep praying for me. Yes. If they don't also get me. I'm not saying that he's no weaker than I am or no stronger than I am. The devil is busy. Yes. I have no intentions of talking to him. So it's going to be real difficult for him to convince me to do anything. Because <laughs> I don't want to go to their meetings. I don't want to meet them. I don't want them to ask me for nothing, and I don't want nothing from them. You can be assured, I'm going to say, get lost. Mm-hmm. Y'all got people worshiping the Kaaba and adoring the Kaaba and kissing the black stone and throwing rocks at brick figures and saying that they're killed, throwing rocks at the devil. Ain't no more religion of Abraham over there. You got the religion of the pagan Arabs there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to adhere to that. And they said the sun will rise in the west. You are the sun. You are rising in the West. You may not speak Arabic well, but you know what the prophecy said? Hear and obey, even if a man is an Ethiopian. And the Ethiopians were not speaking Arabic. You are the Savior. You are the body of Christ. You understand? This may sound like what, what Warabdi Muhammad said. He said it, but he didn't understand it because he wasn't listening to his father. You are the body of the Christ. You are the resurrection. You are the truth. You are the light. You understand that? And all you got to do is get prepared like a bride for the groom, and the Messiah will return for you. That's all you have to do is get prepared. Get in your bride's gown. And the women, even in Christianity, they told you when you get married to put on a veil. They don't know nothing about the veil except for when they come to marriage, then they throw on a little veil mm-hmm. and say it represents purity and virginity. Well, it also represents what's said in the book of Revelation where Jesus said the, the end of the world is like the marriage supper of the Lamb. You read that before? 
and said, you got to be prepared like a bride, preparing yourself for that. Well, that veil is part of it. I know you're pretty. I know you don't want to cover your face. But covering your face is unveiling your heart. You understand that? And what I mean by covering your face is unveiling your heart. That means when you cover your face, people have to judge you by your heart, not by your looks. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew what he was talking about and knew what he was doing. Cover your face and unveil your heart. Because an uncovered face and a sealed heart is the works of the devil. Directly to the Quran, 
And if you open the Quran to the second chapter of the Quran, you'll get the stupid a direct picture of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says a Muslim should be. And anyone who adheres to that is Muslim. Anyone who does not, isn't. So I think you have the problem in the Western Hemisphere is a lack of knowledge on the part of a lot of Americans who have converted to Islam without the language and without the root of Islam, and therefore they are forming these splinter groups and denominations, much like what happened from the one man, Asa Admiriyamun, or Jesus the Messiah. Many different people came out of them, out of him, and now today he's been running to a hundred different denominations of Christianity, and they all claim to be right. I would say that when you go to something like the African Islamic Mission, um, African Islamic Mission in America, and they put on a seminar, I think the first thing everybody on the panel should be confronted with is their knowledge of the Quran and the Sunnah of Rasulullah in accordance to the language in which it is revealed. Any man who gets up there as Imam of a, of a Jama and doesn't even understand the language, you know, is not supposed to be a leader. So it's like the word he takes on as a title, Imam, is an out of the word. The word he takes on Muslim is an out of the word. Mu'minun and even Ta'afir. All these are out of words. He must at least have a foundation of the Quran before he takes on a position of, you know, lead of the people. So if you were questioning those people up there at that panel, if you were giving them permission to question them, you'd probably found out that most of them became Muslim five years ago, two years ago, six years ago, eight years ago, and have never did any intensive study of the Quran on the Sunnah. All the books they read, you can read. Ninety percent of them come from the heart of Pakistan. And have been translated by Pakistanians who don't even know the, the native tongue. And as one of the spokesmen said, whereas Africa has more Muslims in Africa than all of Arabia and Iraq and Iran together, to the scholars on Islam who they don't even recognize. They got translations of Quran by men from Sudan who they don't even recognize. Tafsir of Quran, Sira, Sikh, all of these things were done by Africans, but they will not even allow them into the, the arenas of discussion amongst the amongst the Islam because of the color of their skin. But if you approach that situation, if you approach it from the level of qualification, you know, meaning quality and not quantity, you solve the problem. I'm a student in Franklin K. Lane High School, and this is my last year, and I have four years to attain college. And I, I'm looking forward to advancing my knowledge in Islam. Really, I am. Many universities in the Arab world go to. You have to be very careful because every country you go into, you're influenced by the school of thought. If you go to the University of Egypt, you're influenced by a school of thought. If you go to the University in Andurman um, or Khartoum in Sudan or Al-Aziz University in Sharq al Saudi, you're going to be influenced by uh, somebody's thought. The main thing that you got to establish with these people is that you are interested in Islam. You're not interested in his Islam. You're not interested in Sheikh Hassan al-Banna's interpretation of Islam, which they call Ikhwani Muslim. You're not interested in the Wahhabi school. First of all, teach me about Allah Ta'ala. Teach me then about Rasulullah. Teach me then about Qutubah. Then let me decide among, about the Khulufa, which Khalifa was correct and which one. But first take me to the first reviewer and who Allah, Allah, la ilaha illahuwa. That's the first thing you want to understand before you get caught up on which prophet was correct and which one was more accurate and which hadith is correct and which one was more accurate. So let me take you to the Quran. If you have, you have a Quran, if you open to the second chapter, if anyone has one, you can. We're going to look at what Allah Ta'ala says. Bismillahi ar-Rahmani ar-Rahim. First of all, 
the very statement, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, that begins all of the Surah of the Quran, with the exception of the ninth, for, for a very good reason, right, has its own meaning. When you say Bismillah, you say Ba'ismi Allah. The word Ism means name or now. The word, when they say be in Arabic, by way of. In Arabic, we have two words for with. We have, we have actually, we have actually more, but two outstanding words for with. One of them is ma, with to accompany. And the other is be, like an active bill teller. I write with a pen. But you notice this with is by way of. Not I write ma, tell them. I don't write with as if it's accompanying me. You understand the difference? And in this, in this specific verse, Bismillah, it starts off by way of Allah. You understand? Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Now when you look at the word Ar-Rahman, you look at Rahim. The word Rahim means womb. Many people translate the word as merciful, compassionate, and make yield, etc. The word in Arabic language, the mother of the word is Rahim, and it means the womb of a woman. The word Rahman and the word Rahim are the exact same word. The noon at the end of the first word merely implies the Lord of Arabia that you put more emphasis on it than the word Rahim. Now, we have learned as Muslims that a Muslim can take the name Abdul Rahman, but he cannot take the name Abdul Rahim. And this is mentioned in the hadith of Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alright, why is it so? If we understood the meaning of the word Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim, then we'd understand why. Ar-Rahman meaning a womb. Why? A woman, when she gave birth to in the time of Rasulullah, did not lay down. She stood up. There's a proper way to give birth. And a midwife caught the baby. The father, this is how people are supposed to deliver, not laying on their back, which makes complications. All right. The womb of the mother yields for the baby to pass through. This yielding that a child goes through when it comes into this world is why it cries. When it passes from the comfort of the mother's womb, which is symbolic of genetic vision, the garden of Eden, when man was created by Allah Ta'ala as Ruh before the Nefsaqul manifest, when he was a spirit before his personality came, his person came, he was in the bosom of Allah Ta'ala. It was called Lahut. He passed through the stages of Lahut to Malakut, the angelic abode, where he inherited the ancient body. And then he came down and personified as Nasut, the physical being. When he came into this world, the environment, the negative presence, which is known as commerce, he felt it. He left the comfort of the mother's womb, like when man left the garden. When man violated the commandment of Allah Ta'ala, when he said they put the tree, the shajra, in the in the, in the, of Jannah, in the center of the garden, and he said that man could touch everything in the garden except this tree, what did man do? He went directly to the tree. Did the Almighty Allah Ta'ala destroy man at that instant? No. He yields. He pardons. He not only yields to Adam, but he also yields to Iblis. He even told Iblis, I will despite you until Yom Kiyama. I will even let you go until Yom Kiyama. So therefore, he yields to man. And man was put out of the garden, get ye down from here. And he left the garden like a baby being the wounded mother. And the way a baby cries, huh? And he goes, when he breathes, ah! Man has been summoned to cry 
Allah. This is why we go, Allah, when we come up this way. Allah. 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 In Azan, in Salah, in the Quran, in Dua, wherever a Muslim begins, he starts off, Bismillah, in the name of Allah, like a baby. Now we're in this world because we have forfeited the right of the womb of Allah Ta'ala, which was the Garden of Eden, when we're under His protection and nourishment. You follow that? That is Bismillah, by this name, Allah, a baby goes, ah, 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 he's crying Allah all the way, and all for the rest of your life, you walk around, saying Allah. Then Allah is Ar-Rahim. If we remember His name and keep it sacred, we will, he will again yield to us, it says, and we will enter back into Jannah, the garden of paradise. They will enter back into the womb. Now, Isa and Miriam tried to make this clear to his disciples when he said, unless you are born again, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. And the guy, one of the disciples said, you mean I must go back into my mother's womb? They understood the meaning of it, you see. But they interpreted it wrong. He meant, yes, you must be like a baby again. The way you came out of the Garden of Eden and out of your mother's womb, Rahman. Now, Ar-Rahim, you must work your way back in. So a Muslim can say he is Abdul Rahman because that implies leaving the Garden and coming out. That is the difference between the words Insha'Allah and Ma'sha'Allah. Ma'sha'Allah was when man was in the garden. Everything was as the way Allah Ta'ala wanted. In the world, it's if. Insha'Allah. If it pleases Allah. If it be Allah's will. Ma'sha'Allah. What pleases Allah? What is Allah's will? It's to abode. So out of the garden man came. And he is now Abdul Rahman. Servant or slave of he who set us out of the garden. Out of his compassion and his mercy, and his yielding power. But he cannot say he is Abdul Rahim because he don't know if he's going to get back in. You can't say, I'm the servant of the one who's going to let me back in paradise before you get there. So, Rasulullah Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was forbidden for his followers to say or take the name Abdul Rahim, though they could take the name Abdul Rahman. That is just the simple meaning of the tasmiyah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim alone before we even go into the source of the Quran. Then we start off, we're locked with three initial letters before it. Alif, Lam, and Ni. We are about to embark upon in this source. And why do you think they call it the heifer? Or in some cases, the cow? Because it deals strictly with Bena Israel and their relationship to Bena Ismail. The relationship of the children of Israel under the guidance of the prophets from Adam to Asa and Maryam, and then down to the sons of Ismail, you, from Asa on up to the Hatim and the end, Muhammad Rasulullah. You follow? So they have Aleph, Adam, Ibrahim, Lamb, Laylatul Qadri, Walilatul Qadri. The Lakh of Qadri is a night of that things can happen. They call it a night of power. However, the word Qadr, Qadr, the Lord of Arabia, means I can do a thing. And a'sdir 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 and a
proclaim, but this word, it drops, means read something to Look at something, let him read it. And that's what Jibrael, alayhi sallallahu salam, ordered the prophet Muhammad in the cave. So they say to him, that text, or that excerpt, that writing, yes, that writing, la, there isn't any raiba, see, there isn't any question or doubt in this. That's what he says right there. ذلك الكتاب لا ريب فيه. Then he goes on to tell you what it is. He says, "Hudan للمتقين." Here's the point we're coming at. Hudan is one of Allah's highest special names. El Hadi, the one that can lead you right, the guide, the one that will lead you to where you're supposed to go. And he refers to it as Hudan للمتقين. And we know why they say مُتَقِينَ when they talk about taqwa. In the Quran, there are three different words for fear. You have the word khaw, you have the word khashta, and you have the word taqwa. Word khaw has its root in the word kha, like a sheep. This is fear of what is going to happen to me if I don't obey the law. This is fear of jahannam, hell, fear of judgment. That's that fear. Hasha. This fear is the fear like taqwa. Taqwa is, if, I'm, if I say to you, Hu Allah, Hu Allah, La ilaha illa hu al-Khalifu If you had taqwa, you'd want to cry. You see? It's a fear of reverence and adoring. You want to cry when you hear the name of Allah Ta'ala in its proper order. Whereas Hasha is a fear that if I didn't have Islam, I'd have nothing. I don't know what I'd be if I didn't have the Surah al Those are three different types of fear. In this section of the Quran, Allah Ta'ala tells Rasulullah, there's no doubt or question in this text. It is a guidance for those who are taqwa. You follow they, they, they just want to weep when they think about the beauty of the creation of the cosmos. Then it goes on. Those who, what do they do? The people who recognize the scripture as not having any doubt. And it have this beautiful fear that will guide them. These are they who yu'minu. The word yu'minu comes from aman. Alif minun. People have translated the word mu'minun as believer. Because I realized that was a Christian and a Jew's work to call a Muslim a believer. Why is the question, right? Because you can believe in something and not be loyal to it. You understand? But to have faith in something and to be faithful and loyal to it is what it's called for as Muslim. Not just to believe. Now, I'll give you an example. I spoke last week about a model. There's ways to follow. One is to have a model and one is to have merely an example. Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was more than just an example for us. He was also a model. Someone whose ways we want to imitate to the letter. 
A Christian cannot claim the right to follow the model of Asa et Maria because Jesus' life was so above the normal man that nobody could follow him. Exactly. You follow that? The things he did as a model, as an avatar, as a mystic, the average man cannot even imagine. But Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, born of a mother and father of a normal situation, came as a man, illiterate like the normal, amazing illiterate, so that even the illiterate can accept it, there's no excuse, is it? You see that? So we have a model, and then we have people who worship the man who did a certain thing, but they can't imitate it. All right, Muslims are called here to be وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ يُؤْمِنُونَ means as for those who are faithful and loyal <laughs> because many people take shahada and are not faithful and loyal Muslim this week and, and Hari Christian next week and Buddhist the following week and Christian the following week many take it but loyalty is special and it's called these people it says يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ why غَيْبِ the word غَيْبَ means that you don't see it. <laughs> now, what does that mean? Have you seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. Have you seen Rasulullah Muhammad? No. Yet, you will be called to follow Muhammad and to worship who? Allah ta'ala. Without seeing them. Have you seen your soul? Not your own. Have you seen me? Don't, don't answer abruptly. Have you seen me? No. What do I mean by that? When you look at an individual, you don't see them, you know. You see light reflected off the eye, through the retina, through the octave nerve, and then waves and put the picture in the brain. Understand that? You don't really see them. You see a picture developed of them. You have never seen anybody. You feel people. That's why a person can walk in a room and you can turn around. Or you say, I'm getting ready to call David and pick up the phone. And David picks up is on the other line. You have eat the body. You have never seen anybody. But a lot of other actors, those who are faithful, to hold that faithful suburb with al truth and patience, because they will not always see. They said, Maryam, on the other hand, his disciples watched him perform unbelievable feats, and they still questioned and doubted him. They likened him in the Bible, I give it very clear, with a contradiction or a confusion or whatever way you want to take it, but it's there. They asked Jesus to show them a sign, some kind of miracle. And what did he say there? He said, an evil and adulterous nation seeketh after a sign. Remember that statement? And there shall what? And there shall no sign come unto them except the sign of Jonah. Now, wait a minute. If Jesus performed miracles, <laughs> then he did show signs. So either somebody made a mistake when he said no sign, <laughs> because he performed signs. We all know they recorded. Somebody that wrote the wrong story, or they had a different meaning. They had a different meaning. Except the sign of Jonah. What was the sign of Jonah? 
Huh? First of all, one of Jonah's attributes was he doubted. When he was told that he had to go to Nineveh, he said what? Not me. We will return with the true light after this brief intermission. Now is the time to ask questions of your leaders, teachers, and preachers. Where did all the races of people come from? Why did John have to baptize Jesus at the Jordan? And why do the four Gospels contradict each other? The answer to these questions can be with only one man, as Saeed and Imam Isa Hadi and Mahdi, the man who has written over 150 books on such topics as Is There Life on Other Planets? How were the pyramids built? What race was Adam and Eve? And was the Holy Quran made up by Muhammad, or was it a divine scripture sent from the Most High? And what is the difference between the spirit and the soul? The answer to these questions can be found in the most dynamic book in history. <laughs> Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Alhamdulillahi Waliya Al-Kareem Wa sallallahu ala anbiya Ajma'een Wal-Masih Wal-Mahsi Wal-Mujadda Laman Mursaleen Amabbas Are we not the bearers of witness That nothing would exist If Allah didn't create it And that he is alone And has no part And that all gratitude is for Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala the sustainer of all the boundless universe. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God. And on the Mujaddid, the reformer. Which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG. Free Nigga Radio!